Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hey, everybody. It's Caitlin, and I'm going to be doing a magic moment today. Um, I recently was reminded of the power of play and how incredible of a tool it can be for us as parents um, to be able to teach our kids and kind of help them process things, be able to move through things. We did an episode on Find the Magic a couple years ago about using play as a tool um, to diffuse power struggles and um, kind of help parent our children better using play and we we used we did that episode based off a book um by larry or lawrence cohen and it's called the playful parent and it was really good book and i will post that episode in the show notes today because um we go into a lot more detail in that on different ways that you can use play as a tool but today i i recently read something that kind of sparked in me a reminder of how important it is and what an incredible tool it is for us to use play. There's so much research that goes behind um, how play actually makes, it helps our children remember things and it makes things a way more powerful message when we can use play. So I recently read this quote, this is from um, Dr. Karen Purvis. And she said, scientists have recently determined that it takes approximately 400 repetitions to create a new synapse in the brain, unless it is done with play. In that case, it takes between 10 and 20 repetitions, which is crazy when you think about that, that um, when we're able to pair (laughs) play in teaching something, it takes way less repetitions to actually create a new synapse in the brain with with our kids. So I think how cool that is. So I'm actually going to, I recently read this. This is from um, some of this information that I have is from Ralphie Jacobs. She, um, she has like a, her program or her website is called simply on purpose. She's on Instagram and different things like this, but she recently put out this, I think I read this in her email and I wrote some of these things down because I thought, man, this is so I feel like I've used this in my own life. And I also remember my mom and my parents using this when I was a kid, this tool. And I thought, this is awesome. Like, I feel like this is something that maybe I am underutilizing as a parent. And I think it's a really awesome tool that we can use. So, and that is the tool of role plays. So um, why role plays can be a really powerful teaching tool is that it helps create a positive association with positive behavior and it teaches children what to do. So, um... I'm going to go through what Ralphie Jacobs, she actually gives six steps to do in a role play. And I'm going to kind of go through, I'm going to be using some of those steps to go through it. But what's cool is that we can use role play to to practice anything. So no matter the age of the kid, it can be anything from, you know, if your kid's maybe taking toys a lot from their little brother, which happens a lot in my house. And I'm going to actually talk about an example with that or responding to friendship conflicts or teaching a value. There can be a lot of different ways that you can use this. And, um, and so I feel like, so one way with, um, Emmett, my oldest, so he's four now, but I feel like there was a long time where he, he would take toys a lot from his little brother. And, um, I, it would be to the point where, cause I feel like sometimes they're just like taking toys back and forth and it didn't really seem to be a problem. 
but it kind of was getting to the point where it was it was a problem like the little brother was really not liking it and it was creating a lot of tension and Emmett was just like taking it like any toy that he had he would take it so it was creating a lot of conflict in our home and um I kind of remembered this idea of role playing and so it's interesting so the six steps that Ralphie talks about and then I actually used these steps this was a few months ago um not really thinking it through but I was thinking okay how can I maybe help this situation go better. So the first step is waiting for a positive moment when the child is ready to learn. Um, so, you know, you obviously don't want to be like trying to use this in the heat of the moment. If emotions are high, if somebody's hungry, if they're tired, probably not the best time to use this as a teaching tool. It's just probably not going to be as effective. Um, so waiting for like a calm time and a place when they're ready to learn. So for me with Emmett, in this case, it actually was at night. Um, you know, we had already done kind of our bed, bedtime routine. He was all ready for bed. And usually after we brush teeth and do all that stuff, um, Cam and I will take turns, but usually we'll take some time to like snuggle with him, tell him a story, whatever it is. So I was in, I was in his little bed and we were snuggling and talking and he usually sleeps with a bunch of stuffed animals. And so it was interesting because as we were talking, I kind of brought up the, um, like I, I brought up the situation, like I was like, Hey, you know, sometimes Will will have stuff that you sometimes want, you know, like, and, or like sometimes you want to play. And I kind of just was talking to him about it. I asked him some questions and it was good. Cause he was just kind of talking about it. And then I was like, I kind of brought up maybe what, what would be a good thing for him to do? Like, I was like, maybe if we see something that Will has, we can either ask him for it first or if, and if he wants to give it to us, great. And if not, we can practice like you know, not, not taking it from him, but what else can we do? Like I kind of brought up maybe some other things that we could do. So I kind of like talked it through a little bit. And then, um, and then after that, I actually practiced, like we practiced it both ways. So we role played and, and we did it the opposite too. We did it because sometimes Will would take things from Emmett and he didn't like that. Right. So we talked it through and then, um, which is actually the second step. So it's say or do something positive to keep their thinking brain online. So like, um, you think of something that you maybe want, like that you, that you like about them. So like, it's so fun to hang out with you. Um, you can touch the child in a safe way, things like that, that it's like, so in that moment, it was a really positive moment between me and Emmett, right? Like we were snuggling, we were together. It was great. And then I just, step number three is describing the problem, um, or get the child to tell you what the problem is. So, um, that's kind of what we talked through. And then, Step four is having the child tell you the new behavior and why it's desirable. So we kind of talked through that. I was like, okay, well, like, why would it be a good idea for, you know, for if Will has a toy, what could we do instead? Like, why would it be a good idea to do this way? And it was good. He like actually really caught on to that. And then we practiced the new behavior. And it was nice because then we took turns. Like I took turns like me being Emmett and Emmett playing Will and then vice versa. Like I was Will, like I was the little brother and Emmett was himself and we like practice what it would look like. And, you know, like, so when he would take a toy from me, I would maybe like pretend to cry like Will would or different things like that. Or, and then he would give it back and he would maybe ask me. And then I would be able to say back to like, he would give it back to me and then he'd say, Hey, Will, can you give me this toy? And like, I would kind of hold on to it and like show that I was going to hold on to it. Or, and then sometimes I would also like let him have it. So we would try these different things and he loved it. He was like giggling. He thought it was so fun to try the different ways. He loved pretending to be Will. 
like he thought that was actually really fun. And I think it was like fun for him to like hold on to the toy or then to pretend to give it. And it was, it was so cute because you could tell that he like really found a lot of joy in it more than I actually even thought that he would. And we did that a lot. And we actually did it a few nights in a row and he would like ask to do it. Like that was part of our little time together is he'd be like, Hey, can we, can we play that? Like, so we would, and it wasn't like we took long. It probably took a few minutes each night where we would practice this. And it was more just, you know, for him, it was just kind of playing around with this idea of what does it feel like to be will? What does it feel like when someone takes your toy? How does it feel when you actually share your toy willingly? And what's cool is it didn't, it's not like that solved the problem right away, but it was cute because during the day when this same situation would pop up, cause we had just role played it, you could see him thinking it through. And sometimes it would take a little bit of cues from me to say like, Oh, I see that. You know, I would just kind of say what I was saying. I see that you really want the toy that will has like, what do you think we can do? And he would remember what we had talked about. So it was awesome because you could tell he really loved it. And it created this positive association with a behavior, a positive behavior that I wanted him to do. So it was amazing. And then when I would see him, when I would see him acting in the ways that we had talked about, where it was like, maybe asking for the toy first or like letting Will have it or vice versa. If Will would take the toy, if he would respond in a way of, instead of like pushing him away or yanking it out, he would say things like, Will, I'm going to have it now, but you can have it after. Like he would say it before and you could tell he'd like worked through the emotions before that was like, I'm actually the bigger brother. I can do this. And so it was cool to be able to see it almost like gave him this power because we had worked through the situation beforehand that he kind of knew how to react in this commonly played out scenario. Um, and then, so then step six in, in this, how to do a role play is giving positive feedback. So it's like, um, when you see those positive things happening, it's like, Oh, look how happy you made him. Or, or like just showing that you notice, like, I see how well you guys are playing or like those kinds of things help reinforce that good behavior. It's that positive feedback. Um, and so it's cool because again, role plays can be so effective because it is a form of imaginative play. And again, that play it, it really is, that research shows how quickly children can learn through play. Um, and I feel like I actually can remember my mom doing this with me growing up. And again, it can be done at all ages. Like I actually remember, I remember probably, I was probably around four or five. And I remember there was this little girl in my, um, she was in my primary class at church and she was kind of harder. Um, and she had like a few hard things growing up. Like um, she had like, anyway, she had a few different things. And I remember we had, I don't remember what the conflict was about, but I do remember there was some sort of conflict between me and her. And I remember telling my mom about it. I was probably about five. And I remember my mom kind of talking through, I don't remember all the details, but I can remember her like kind of role-playing with me. Like, what do you think you could say to her? And it was kind of like walking through an apology with her. Like, hey, I know that we kind of didn't get along this, like the other day because of this, um, I'm kind of sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. And like, can we be friends? Like that was kind of what the role play consisted of from what I remember. And I remember like us practicing it a couple of times. And I remember going to church that next week. Um, and I remember like having this conversation with this girl and it went so well. Like I remember her being like, okay, cool. And we were like, everything was great. And I remember it was really empowering as a kid. Cause it was like, I had practiced it beforehand. I kind of knew how it was going to go. I felt confident about it. And then it wasn't like my mom like went into the class with me and solved the problem. It was like I had the power to go into this situation and I felt like I 
had the confidence to go through it. And I remember my parents doing that, like as I got into school, if I needed to talk to a teacher about something, they would do the same thing. They'd be like, okay, you want to talk to this teacher about this? Like I very rarely remember my parents actually coming in to a class with me and talking to a teacher about stuff. I'm, I'm sure it happened when I was younger. I don't really remember that. But I do remember like talking through some things of like, okay, maybe I want to talk to my teacher about, you know, a grade that maybe I thought was different or, and, and they would like talk it through. Okay. Like, what do you want to say to them? What's the problem? How can we go through it? And we would role play it. So as I got older, I had the confidence and I even remember doing it when I was interviewing for my first jobs as a teenager, my mom would role play those. And it was so great because I do, first of all, I have great memories of doing that with my mom. And second of all, it gave me a lot of confidence going forward because I had practiced this situation beforehand. So even as kids get older, I feel like it's a really great tool to use. And it's something that I think as parents, we can totally think about ways that we can, we can utilize this tool more effectively. And it's something that, again, I think it's actually really easy to do and it takes less time. Like as, as I talked about before, the 400 repetitions versus 10 to 20 repetitions when we use play. Like it really, in the long run, investing a little bit of time to maybe play through something with our kids can actually in the long run save us time because we're taking that time out to kind of role play it. Um, So anyway, so something to think about. I hope that something that you heard today, maybe you can use this with um, your kids and maybe find the magic that way. If you like what you heard today, please share this with a friend or loved one. This means so much to us and it helps the podcast continue to grow. And if this podcast has meant something to you, there are three things that you can do right now that will help us immensely. The first is to subscribe or follow us. And you can do that by going to our page, wherever you listen to podcasts. And then if you tap on the upper right-hand corner, there is usually a plus sign or a subscribe button. And just go ahead and tap that and that will allow you to subscribe or follow us, which what this does is make sure that you never miss an episode and it really helps us at Find the Magic. The second thing you can do is share it with a friend. So if you like what you heard, um, send it to somebody or post it on social media. This does a ton to help our podcast continue to grow and for us to be able to make more episodes. And lastly, um, if you've enjoyed being here with us on Find the Magic, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star review. Um, we read every single one of those reviews and we appreciate them so much. And we want you guys to know that we feel that you, our listeners are our friends and we're so grateful. Thank you so much for sticking with us on this journey. We have loved it. So let's find the magic together. (coughs) (laughs) Brown cows. (laughs) 